it's so great to be up here. It's such a privilege to be up here. Uh, and I know that at one point in my life, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to do student ministry. There were some things that had happened in my life and some things that I'd gone through and, and the world was telling me and uh, people in my life were telling me, hey, Michael, you can't do this uh, anymore. And so at one point I bought into it and I spent a good, you know, 15 years of my life not doing student ministry. I helped serve, and, um, but I wasn't uh, a student pastor. And so people had told me that. And so seniors, I want to start off with this that you are going to be told you're all scattered. You're supposed to sit together so I can look directly at you. Um, but seniors, remember this. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff happening in your life. Uh, there's going to be a whole lot of voices that are going to speak to you over the next coming years. And I want you to realize something. God has called you to a purpose and a plan. And I want you to make sure no matter what anyone is telling you, that you remember to do what God's calling you to do and you pursue that at all costs. You do what you love. Do not waste your life doing things that are meaningless, but chase after God, what God is calling you to do and do those things. So, all right, we're going to go ahead and start. I can remember when I first graduated, um, I had a member of the church that I was attending who had a farmhouse, and he says, hey, Michael, you can stay at this farmhouse as uh, long as you just pay the electric. And so I was super excited at the age of 18, I get to move out and um, super ecstatic. And so as I'm living on my own, I start to realize a few things. It was a couple nights into staying at the house. I'm getting ready to lay down at 10 o'clock, and I look up, and I say, why in the world am I laying down at 10 o'clock? I'm a grown man, and I can do what I want. No parents are telling me any difference. There's no other voices in this house but mine, and I'm going to stay up as long as I want. And so as I continued to live on my own, I started to realize other things. Um, I was running late one day, and so as I'm, as I'm heading out the door, um, I'd forgotten to brush my teeth, and I started to turn back to go brush my teeth, and I turned around, and I said, you know what? You're a grown man, Michael. They made gum so that you didn't have to brush your teeth every day. And so I found some uh, gum, chewed some gum. Uh, thank goodness it wasn't during the time where you had to wear a mask. That might have been bad for me. And so then there came the problem of I'd come home, and there's just dishes piled up in the sink. And so I'm starting to cook on my own, and mom's not there. No one else is there. No siblings to clean my dishes. And so I start to think to myself, Michael, why are you putting yourself through this? They made ramen noodles, Tostino's pizzas, for this very reason. Um, but as I begin to make the Tostino's pizzas, I realize something that pastors uh, talked about before. Paper plates cost a lot. They're expensive. And so I said, why am I? No, I don't even need to do this. Taco Bell was made for a reason. And so I begin to just get Taco Bell. And so as I'm doing these things and cutting corners here and there, I was doing a lot of good things when I lived in my parents' house, but I wasn't 100% sure why I was doing them. And so this is it, seniors. You're doing a lot of good things in your life, and your parents are directing you in a lot of good ways, and, and, and I may be telling you some things, and the church may be telling you things, good things that you're doing them, but if you don't know why you're doing them, you're missing the point. If you don't do those things regularly, it's going to lead, when you start to cut corners, you're going to start to lead to things in your life where you feel sick, you feel tired, you get into the point where all of these things just catch up with you, and you find yourself in a spot where you're like, man, what's going on here? So I'm encouraging you this morning, I labeled the sermon this morning, don't forget, and we're going to talk about seniors, how it's important that you do in church, that you do the things that you're doing, but you don't forget why you're doing them. And so we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. Verses 2 through 5 this morning. And the reason I chose this passage 
is because it's Jesus is the one that's giving the words here. So a lot of times when we go to church, we hear someone speak, whether it's a pastor or if you go and sit in a Sunday school, your Sunday school teacher or me, and we, we start to find excuses on why we don't have to listen to it. It's like, okay, this isn't relevant to me. This is, not, isn't something that I need to follow. It's outdated. We start to find all these words of why we don't listen to it. And so we're so used to hearing Paul talk to the church, Peter talk to the church, Timothy and Titus, they're all, they're all talking to the church. And we say, well, that was for the church, right? And so this first letter that we're going to be in in Revelation chapter 2 is the, the church of Ephesus. And so this morning, you may hear the words that we say and say, well, that was to the church at Ephesus. Well, that's true. But that was to the church. And last I checked, who made up the church? We do. So this is a word that is specifically to the church of Ephesus, but it's also a word that is specifically to you. So let's look at that verse. If you want to stand while we read, it's going to be Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. It says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear those who are evil, but, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you, I know you are enduring for my... Oh, where am I? Enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, for where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I give you thanks for this day. I thank you for this time where we can come together and hear your word, Lord. I thank you so much for just the countless ways that you bless us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that this morning, as we hear this message, that we take it, we evaluate our lives, and we apply it. And it's your name we pray. Amen. All right. So this letter is being written to the church of Ephesus. These are Jesus' words, and he's given them a um, letter, and he's saying, okay, hey, listen, this is the way it works. I'm going to tell you, this is what you're doing right, but this is where you can work. And so the first thing that he says in here is, um, in it, it says, For I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear those who are evil, and it tested those who call themselves apostles. So he starts off saying, I know that you're resisting evil. I realize that you're doing those things. I realize that you are enduring hardships, that when times get hard, you're not running away. Right? Because we're talking about the church of Ephesus. They had great leadership. They had fame. They'd been around for 40 to 50 years, trucking dead on. And he's saying, I know, and he specifies that twice, I know what you're doing. And so if we think about that, if Jesus came this morning and was to write a letter to you, what would he say? Would he say, hey, I know what you're doing, church. I know that you're hospitable. I know that you welcome people. I know that you love people. Seniors, he may say to you this morning, hey, I know that you're in church this morning. So you're doing something right. I know that you're reading your Bible. I know that you're helping in ministries. I know that you're doing those things. And so it's okay and great that we're doing the right thing. But if we miss the reason why we're doing it, there's a disconnect there. There's a problem there. And so we see that in verse 4 where he begins to say, and he says, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. And so if you find yourself in a position where you're doing things but don't know why, let's take a look at that. And so Christianity, we oftentimes think that it's all about what we're doing. We think it's about the what, 
But that's not just it. It's, it's about the what, but it's more about the why. And so in Christianity, what's the why of Christianity? Because we love Jesus. And so let me give you an analogy real quick. Um, uh, I used to go to 24-hour fitness and workout. I had some um, people that spoke truth in my life, and that's what's happening here. Jesus is speaking truth to the church of Ephesus. And I encourage you this morning, seniors, first off, if you have learned one thing coming out of the student ministry, I hope you learn the importance of community. I hope that you realize that there are people in your life and you need people in your life to speak truth into your life. Because we live in a day and age where we love for people to tell us, hey, you're doing a great job. You're doing all these things right. But when they say, hey, but you've got work here, we begin to tune them out. And so you need people. So seniors, don't lose that as you leave here and you go off to colleges or whatever it is that you do into your jobs. Don't lose that. Keep people in your life. In church, if you find yourself this morning where you've got no one that's speaking truth into your life, I encourage you to become, find a small group. Find some sort of ministry group that meets up here. Find people in this room and find people and keep people in your life that can tell you the great things you're doing but can also tell you the hard truths. Because if you don't have that, you're going to need it. So seniors, keep that. So what I did is um, uh, remembering why I'm doing it. I used to go work out um, at 24-Hour Fitness, and I had some loving people in this church that would come up to me and loving people in my family that would come up and go, Hey, Michael, you need to go to the workout room. You need to go to the gym. And so they would come and speak truth to me. And it was truth. I knew that for health reasons and for all these other reasons, I need to go to the gym. I knew that. And so I started to go into 24-Hour Fitness and worked out, doing the right thing. And then there's one problem, though. How many of you have been to 24-Hour Fitness? If you look around in Lake Worth, when you come down the hill from 24-Hour Fitness, there's these bright lights, and it says Brahms. So I'm sitting here. I go work out. I put in the time where I'm running, and I'm lifting weights. I'm doing everything. But then as I leave, I find myself in this long drive through I don't even know why I sat in it. It Brahms. And I convinced myself, hey, Michael, it's okay. It's low-fat yogurt. It's good for you. And so... Then there's another problem, though. It just doesn't stop at Brahms. As you turn out of Brahms and if you head back towards Azel, you realize that God's chosen food is right there on that right-hand side, Chick-fil-A. And so I would pull in there, and I said, all right, I'm getting the cool wrap. I mean, this is basically, right? It's basically nothing. There's no calories involved. I worked out. I'm good. And so I got the cool wraps, but they led to chicken sandwiches later down the road. And so I found myself doing the right thing, but forgetting why I did it. I would go to the gym, but I forgot why I was going on the way home when I hit up all those fast food restaurants. So Warren, uh, Warren Wearsby says it like this. He says, see, the church is the bride of Christ, but there is always a chance that that love goes cold. Like Martha, we can be so busy working for Christ that we have no time to love him. Christ is more concerned about what we do with him than what we do for him. Labor is no substitute for love to the public the, church, the Ephesian church was successful to Christ that had fallen. And so when you see that, that's basically it, right? In our marriages, in our families, in our church life, we find ourselves doing those things but forgetting why we're doing them. So husbands, let me give you an analogy. I want you to do me a favor and take your wife out at some point this next week. Get dressed up, head to toe. Take her to the fanciest restaurant you can find. 
And then when you get there, open the door for her, put her in the car, open the door to let her out, open the door to the restaurant, do all those things, pull her chair out, sit down, and then I want you to reach across and grab her hands. I want you to say, honey, I did this because I was supposed to. (laughs) Or you can say, honey, I did this because I was told to. And see how that works out for you. It'd be better for you to sit at home and throw in a Tostino's pizza, cook it, and say, honey, I'm so thankful that I got to spend the evening with you because I love you. See the difference? If you're doing it just out of habit, you're missing the point. It's just like a gift. If you give a gift at Christmas, you can wrap up and go pick out this gift. But if you go up to the person and say, hey, here, I'm giving you this gift because I feel like I have to. Or I'm giving you this gift out of obligation. That's not it. So it's not just about saying something, but it's about doing something. So in the student ministry, since we've come back from uh, the pandemic, it seems like since August, and the students are probably going to go, oh, gosh, I'm tired of hearing it. But we always seem to circle back to what's the heart behind what you're doing? Because you can say all the nice things that you want. You can hear all the, the sermons you can get. You can sit in all the discussion groups that you want. But if you're not doing those things with a heart of love, Doing them because you love Jesus, you're missing the point. And so we try to explain that to them and tell them that all day long. And so how does this drift happen? How does this drift from doing things because you love Jesus and turn it into a routine? Is it something that's intentional? No. It's an unintentional drift. Over time, we begin to get busy. In our jobs, whether we have a job that becomes more demanding or we get a promotion. In our homes, we begin to have families and raise families. And, and we all know you got kids taking you here to here to here to here and you're running everywhere and you get busy. At church, you begin to get in different ministries and teach Sunday schools and all of a sudden you find yourself just busy. The battles of life get to us and we become jaded. We become cynical. We become mechanical instead of emotional. We become guarded. Good habits become distant hearts. Over time, guys, we begin to find a spot in our life where we quit working out of passion, but instead we begin to work out of routine. We begin to do things out of habit, whether it's the stores we go to, the places we eat, whatever it is in life, we begin to work out of this habit instead of a personal thing. We begin to have routine relationships instead of personal relationships. Tell the students all the time in student ministry, guys, it's not about this relationship. If it's just a routine to you, if you're here on a Sunday morning and Wednesday night because you're in a routine of doing it, you're missing the point. If you're doing these things because it's become a habit to you, you're missing the point. It's a heart issue, so check your heart. We start going to church because we don't want anybody to judge us. We start reading our Bible because it becomes a habit. We start to do all of these things. But we shouldn't be doing them because they become habits to us. We should be doing them because we love Jesus. All right? I want to be a good husband because I love Cammy. I want to be a good dad because I love my kids. And that's no different. I want to serve in this church. I want to do what I do because I love Jesus. So when you have a heart of love, you have a light for Christ. And then it begins to shine to your family, your friends, and everyone else around you. When you lose your love, you lose your light. And in verse 5, we see that, where it says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. 
And so isn't that it? The lampstand is geared with oil. That oil represents the Holy Spirit, and the flame is lit by the Holy Spirit. So when you begin to lose your love, that's what happens is your lampstand's removed. And so uh, Ephesus basically fell apart. In 268 AD, an earthquake happened and basically destroyed the whole town. And the next year, in 269 AD, it was sacked by Goss. In 620 AD, it burned down. And in 800, the harbor began to fill with silt. And so what that means is Ephesus used to be this vibrant town that was a port town. And all of a sudden, silt began to come in and start to fill up the harbor. If you go to Ephesus today, you're going to notice something, that you've got to walk three miles until you can get to water. So it's this drift, this thing that happens over time. It's not something that happens overnight, but it's a slow fade where you begin to do that. So Sunday night, we had the, the seniors over, and I love it. I love having the seniors over. I love getting to have conversations with them and remembering stories of, of things of when they were younger and getting to, to remember from when they were kids into where they are now, where they're young men and women that can go out and change the world. And it's such a blessing and such a good thing in my heart to do that, right? And so there's things that as I begin to do this, I see this, I start to remember of when I was a youth. And I think of the youth camps that I went to. I start to think of the churches that when I was driving around town or we'd talk about it, we used to have youth rallies and the church was bumping. There were so many people there that you couldn't even barely get in the parking lot. And I drive now and I wonder if the church is still even open. And so that's it, guys. If we lose our light, all of a sudden we start to, we start to begin like that and we start to fade away. And so the city is dead now. The church does not exist. And it's all because they lost their light. So they lost their love for evangelism. They lost their love for people. And they lost the love for what God can do. And so students, seniors specifically in here tonight, do not lose your love. Remember why you do what you do. Do not leave out here and become filled with all of these voices, all of these things that are so demanding in your life, and lose why you do what you do. Church, let us not miss the point. FPC Azel, let's not lose that love. Let's remember why we do what we do. If you come to church to check a box, stop it. Come to church because you love Jesus. And if you're coming and you're just singing words on the screens whenever we have worship up here and you're just doing it because there's a band up here and there's words on the screen, that's the only reason you're singing, don't do that. Sing those words out of love and sing them to the Lord like you mean it. So let's never lose that love. I think of David. So when I think of this, this slide and this, um, uh, this losing of the love and I think of David in the Bible. I think back to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And what do we know David for? David and Goliath. And so in, verse seven, or in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel here, David is fixing to go out into battle. Goliath has been taunting the Israelites. No one wants to go out and fight him. And David says, I'll fight him. And then Goliath says, hey, come out here so I can feed you to the birds of the air. And this is what David says in response. Then David said to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David had a passion. He knew why he was going into battle. He knew what he was up against. And he went out and ran head on at the giant, the giant that was before him. 
But then if we fast forward to 2 Samuel chapter 12, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, David is, uh, it says at the beginning, at the time when uh, kings were supposed to go out to battle, but David had sent his king, or the uh, army out ahead of him and he stayed at home, which led to him seeing Bathsheba, which led to an adulterous relationship, which led to him murdering Bathsheba's husband. And so then in, in chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes and starts to tell him, hey, listen, there is two people. You've got this rich man that has all these flocks and all these herds and all these things, and he's just got an abundance. And you've got this one poor man that has this one lamb. And so then the rich man has a person come to him, a traveler come in, and instead of preparing his own, one of his own out of his flock, he goes and he takes the one lamb from the poor man. And David becomes irate and says, this, this is it. This is crazy. That man deserves to die. And it should be paid back fourfold. And then Nathan looks at David and says, hey, David, guess what? That man is you. See, the thing is, is a lot of times we don't look in the mirror and we don't notice the, the fade away that we're doing. We don't notice how far we've come away until someone else points it out in our life. And then in verse 2 Samuel, verse 12, 13, it says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And so this should give us some encouragement. We see how David is a king, young, vibrant, chasing after what God had for him, heading straight on with this passion to where he began to serve his own comfort as a king. That fade, there's hope because the Bible refers to David as a man after God's own heart a couple times. And so we know that we can come back. So how do we do that? Um, how do we get back to our first love? Here's three ways. It's in verse five. And it says, remember therefore from where you've fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. And so having the seniors over reminded me of all of that this past week. It did wonders in my heart to sit here and remember all the ways of how they had changed in their life, how they'd grown and where they were heading and we do that. We should be, the first thing we should do is we should remember. And having them over did that. And so we should remember, I mean, that's the reason we have birthdays, right? What do we do on birthdays? We remember people. We have these parties and these get-togethers to remember how they've grown and what they've done over the last year. And so remembering that, that's the reason we have anniversaries, right? We go out and we celebrate another year and what we've done and where we've come from. We have Thanksgiving the same way. We sit down every year and we talk about how thankful we are for the things that have happened in our life. We have these times to remember the good things that we can do so we can refocus on why we do them. So what do you need to do this morning to remember? Do you need to go have some conversations with people in your life that have been there along the way? Do you need to open up an old prayer journal where it wrote down, hey, I'm struggling in life, and then you, you see months later or years later where you say, hey, God has delivered me, God has done great things. We need to remember. And so the second thing we need to do is we need to repent. And this isn't a repentance like my, my children saying sorry to each other. So whenever the kids do anything wrong, we have them where we go up and we tell them you have to go say sorry. So we're like, hey, go find your brother or your sister and tell them you're sorry. And so you'll have them walk up and they'll, They'll walk up to him and they'll hug him and they'll look out the corner of their eye to see if we're looking and then they'll go and they'll like slap him in the back of the head or they'll, they'll pull on their shirt or they'll pinch him and we're telling them to go say sorry but are they saying sorry? No, they're doing what we're telling them to do. 
They're not going up and doing it for the right reasons. We need to have a moment of repentance in our life like David, where David gets angry about seeing what he has done in his life, and there's a true repentance. There's a change in his heart, and all of a sudden, we realize, hey, God, I have slipped away. God, I am sorry for getting to a place in my life where I have gone so far from you that I have allowed so much junk in here and it's caused me nothing but misery and pain in my life. And Lord, for that, I am sorry. So repentance is the second thing. And the last thing is to repeat. And so here's here's a few things that David did to repeat what he did at first. There's some things that he did and some things that you can think about is that David trusted God daily. Right? So in repeating, David trusted God daily. He was a shepherd. He protected the sheep. So when you have this issue, he's, he's relying on God daily and trusting God daily that he's going to protect him. David walked with God daily. In Psalm 23, if you read it, tell me after reading that, you can't tell me that David is walking with God daily. And David worshiped God daily. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, the Ark of the Covenant is coming back to Israel. David sees it coming, and he begins to dance in the street. His wife actually says, you look like a fool. And he didn't care because he was worshiping God. He was so excited. So things that we can repeat in our life, maybe go back and share your faith. When's the last time you've woke, or talked, to, talked to someone about your faith? When's the last time you shared that? When's the last time that you've remembered the simpler times before you had, you know, four kids or whatever it is chasing you around through the house and you remember, hey, you know what? I love life. When's the last time that you found yourself in a position where you've just gone back to, hey, I'm going to church because I love Jesus, not because I'm committed to serve on a ministry. Doing the things you do in life because you love Jesus. So to remember, to repent, and to repeat. So I'm going to end with this story. Robert Robertson, he wrote, Come thy fount of every blessing. And so one day he finds himself with this uh, the woman, and she's singing this song, and he just kind of looks away. He'd gotten to a point in his life where he'd got a little away from God, and he started to travel, and that's the truth, right? What do we do? We start to run away. We run away from the things that remind us of what God has done in our life, and we just try to run as fast as we can, and that's what he's doing. And she starts to sing this, and he's sitting there, and he gets to a point where he's just not acknowledging And she's like, hey, do you, do you recognize what I'm singing? Do you know what I'm singing? And he turns to her, and he says, yes, I do. And he said, I wrote that song. He said, I would give anything to go back and be a place in my life where I could feel that way again. And she begins to continue to sing, and she says, Come thy fount, you know, bind thy wandering heart to thee. And he breaks down, and he realizes he remembered where he'd been. He'd repented from how he'd fall away, and he began to repeat what he did. So this morning, church, I encourage, I encourage you to do that. Seniors, I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, Lord, I give you thanks so much for just the countless ways that you bless us for the countless ways that you take care of us. And Lord, I am so sorry for the times that I've forgotten that. And Lord, I pray that this morning that as, as a church, as seniors, that we remember what you've done. Lord, and if we've slipped away or fallen in any way, Lord, that we begin to, to repent and repeat the things that we did at first. 
Lord, I thank you. So as we begin to continue to pray, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have a time of invitation. If you find yourself this morning where you realize I have fallen, I've slipped away, I don't even know what's up and down anymore, I'm just confused, I'm lost, and you're in pain this morning, I encourage you to come to the altar. Because there's one thing that I know, that God never changes. He loves you despite what you've done. He loves you so much and he is waiting today with open arms to have you come back and say, I'm sorry. So if you find yourself there, if you're sitting here and you're saying, hey, Michael, I'm I'm hearing what you're saying, this whole conversation, I, I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't even know what this is about. Well, guess what? It's an opportunity for this opportunity for you this morning to come to Jesus broken and saying, I need you. So if you need to make a decision this morning, the altar is open to you to come and make it right.